Let me pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather this morning. May we have ears to hear and hearts to receive, and may these be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. For those that don't know me, I'm Peter Myers. I'm one of the ordinands training uh, to become a vicar uh, here at HTC. Well, this morning's lesson, uh, the gospel reading, was about the greatest commandment. I wonder what your response is to Jesus' words this morning. Let me read them again to you. Love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We all hear things differently. We all have different grids through which we listen due to our experiences, good and bad, through our lives. Some of you will know that I was in the armed forces. And one of the things that's always entertained me is the term to secure If you ask a soldier to secure a building, he will charge it with guns firing uh, and go through the building and make sure that it is clear of enemy, and then he will have secured it. If you ask an airman in the Royal Air Force to secure a building, he will put a barrier around it, set up sentries, and not let anybody go anywhere near the building. And if you ask a sailor in the Royal Navy to secure, he'll down tools and go on the weekend. Language is important, and I wonder how you react to this scripture this morning. Are they over-familiar verses? You've heard them a million times, and as a result, their meaning has rather lost its bite. Or are they fresh words that still excite you and bring life? Well, let's for a moment consider what those listening 2,000 years ago would have heard. The situation is Jesus has just arrived in the temple and he's teaching, and the authorities are trying to undermine Jesus. And this is the last of a series of four uh, questions that the uh, authorities have come and challenged Jesus about. And this particular question, which is the greatest command? may appear rather innocuous, but is actually a very aggressive one, as the Pharisees are trying to draw Jesus into a very real and serious debate that is going on in Jewish circles. In rabbinic uh, Judaism, all the law is equally significant. There is no greater or lesser law. However, the religious authorities are debating whether some laws carry more weight than others. A subtle difference, but a debate that was very real and alive amongst the Jewish leaders. Jesus' response is to quote Deuteronomy from chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is actually known as the Shema, It's the foundational Jewish creed and would have been said daily by Jews. So Jesus' response to the Pharisees is to quote the very essence of their faith. The Shema, or the greatest commandment as we know it, tells us that loving God requires our entire being, our entire person. And that is what Jesus is telling the religious leaders. 
And then he goes on to say, the second command is to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, Jesus is not making some arbitrary comment, but as we heard in the first reading, he's quoting Jewish law. He's quoting from Leviticus. And then Jesus draws it to a close by saying, everything, everything else hangs on these two commandments. These two commandments are like the hinges on a door. A door doesn't work unless it has hinges, and those hinges function. And Jesus is telling the Jewish leaders it's the same with the law. Without these two commandments in place and actively functioning, living in obedience and with union with God isn't going to happen. The law won't function as God intended unless they obey these two instructions. So far from Jesus giving two rather general statements in response to the question, what he says is rich with meaning, steeped in Jewish tradition, which takes the audience of the time right to the epicenter of their Jewish faith, the epicenter of what it means to be a Jew, to the very heart of their relationship with God. Well, that's what the text tells us is it's speaking to the audience 2,000 years ago. So what about today? What about you and me this morning in 2017? What do we hear? I'd suggest Jesus wants to tell us the same thing. He's pointing us to the epicenter, the very essence of what it means to be a Christian. These two commandments are the hinges on the doors of our Christian lives. Our Christian lives can't function unless designed, as designed, unless these hinges are working in each of our lives. Just taking that first commandment first, as one commentator put it, this love for God is one that should dominate our emotions, direct our thoughts, and is dynamic to all our actions. So what does this love mean here? Well, let me offer that this love, I don't think here, is talking about fluffy feelings. But amen to fluffy feelings, we like those too. But here, we're talking about the mechanics of love. What actually makes love work? It's the surrender and selfless giving of ourselves. It's the surrender and selfless giving of ourselves. It's surrendering our emotions. It's surrendering our wills, our minds, our resources, our time, our energy. It's surrendering and giving of ourselves to the glory of God. Well, that's easy then, isn't it? We could all crack that, I'm sure, on a daily basis. Well, we know it's not easy words, and they're not easy actions to put in place. It's a deeply challenging thing to stand up here and call us to surrender our lives, knowing how broken my own life is and how difficult I find these words to be. So how do we live with an attitude of surrender and self-giving? How can we love God with that depth of commitment? It's not easy. Let's be real. We're all broken, sinful, self-seeking, and selfish. That is, sadly, our human nature. But I'm always so encouraged by St. Paul, 
who writes, I do what I do not want to do, and I do not do what I want to do. And if St. Paul struggles with doing what's right and being tempted, then I can take encouragement from that. So how should we approach the great commandment? Well, the good news is that the answer is in and through our relationship with Jesus. That's the good news this morning. Someone wrote, we can't love God effectively until we are at peace with him through Christ. Meaning, until we know that we really are deeply in our hearts and in our minds, we really do know that we are forgiven, that we really are reconciled to God. Until we really know that we are sons and daughters of God, that you and I are utterly accepted, unconditionally loved by God, then, through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, are we able to love God in this way? Until a few years ago, I really struggled with accepting that I was truly forgiven by God. And then I discovered 2 Corinthians 5.18. It's always been there, but I only had just found it. And this is what it says. God has reconciled the world to himself through Christ, not counting man's sin against him. Let me read it to you in another way. God has reconciled me, Peter, to himself through Christ, not counting my, Peter's, sin against him. This is now a key verse for me. It's truly telling me that God does not keep accounts of my sin and that I am truly forgiven. So what truly loving God with all my being look like, practically, on a daily basis? Well, here's a few ideas and suggestions. Surrendering our motions might be praising and uh, and worshipping God and trusting God in difficult times when we're disappointed rather than becoming angry and frustrated with God. I remember not getting a job some years ago, and I was deeply disappointed, but I had to press through that disappointment, continuing to trust God, worship God, and, and believe in him. And of course, he produced something far better for me. What about giving up our time? Are we prepared to give up Saturday night television, strictly come dancing, bake off, whatever it may be, and give our time to prayer and worship? Another one I battle with. What about what we do with our resources? My uh, phone is four years old, and it's working functionally well, and it's fine, but I fancied a new phone. And uh, I trundled off down to the shop, starting to think what type of new phone I was going to get. And I had absolutely no peace about it, and felt the Lord just saying, this is not a moment to use your resources to get a new phone. You don't need it. And so I backtracked. I still have a very good four-year-old phone. Have you prayed this year to God about what to do with your tithing, what to do with your energy, what to do with your volunteering to contribute to this community? How is your personal prayer life? And I could go on. To love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our strength is the kernel of truth at the epicenter of what it means to be a Christian. To be able to do this requires us to deepen our relationship with Christ, 
through prayer, through reading scripture, listening to him, immersing ourselves in his presence, and welcoming the Holy Spirit to be the transforming power in our lives. But what of the second great commandment, love thy, love thy neighbor? Let's be real with each other. It can be very difficult to love our neighbors. Quite frankly, there are plenty of people at work, outside the school gates, our neighbors, in our family, and God forbid, even amongst us as a church community, that we might find very difficult to like. But we're called to love our neighbor. And what does that mean? Again, that love is about surrender and self-giving. A commentator wrote, it is to extend the personal concern to others as to ourselves. And that was the root of the Leviticus reading, which again, Jesus is quoting. Jesus is saying to love your neighbor is to not to defraud your neighbor, not to deceive, not to slander, to, not to seek revenge, to challenge a sin between us, provide food for the poor, and so on. This is the practical loving that Jesus calls us to. To love our neighbor is to have social concern for those around us. It's about respect and honor, kindness, caring, compassion. I like to think that it's about being a display of God's splendor to the world, to quote Isaiah 61. But the ease and depth of our ability to love our neighbors only comes out of the overflow of our love first and foremost of God. So it is first and foremost that we need to grow in the first commandment so that we can outflow into the love of our neighbors. Let me ask you for a moment, where could you practically love a neighbor this week in a more intentional way? Let me finish by encouraging us to have ears to hear afresh the depth and the richness of these two commandments. Let's not be complacent about what it means to love our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Let us not be complacent to love our neighbor. They point to the very essence of what it means to be a Christian. They are the hinges upon which our Christian lives hang. So let me pray for us. Lord, Heavenly Father, deepen our relationship with Christ and through the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, help us to love you more deeply and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Amen.